At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer for the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the BC Family Podcast. We do have a good podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Ben Wilson, he does a great job over here at VEASAN with us. He has been doing a wide variety of shows. He does the show The Run Line, which you're able to catch every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific. You're out there on the East Coast, 8 to 10. That's our specialty baseball show every weekend. He's been doing some work on primetime action as well. Also, a great play-by-play voice when it comes to things like college baseball, college basketball, indoor football. This goes on and on. We're going to be taking a look at this NL Central race. On top of that, just a futures market in the National League and a few series out there in the American League that he thinks are going to have some big implications this weekend. So, going to have a great chat there. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Naming does not matter. Size per usual. Please just send these into the timeline. Any other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today other than how was Minions The Rise of Gru? And the answer is it was an absolutely tremendous movie, a must-see. So that is my movie review there for you. I'm not going to give away too much because we don't want to give away what our good friends Bob, Otto, Kevin, and all of them wound up doing because it was a bundle of fun and 
What else is a bundle of fun? Taking a look at baseball. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Astros have now been able to win 9 out of their last 11 games and a rare over for them as right around 34% of their games have been going over this season. It's been a rarity for them. 8-1. to one. The Astros take it to the LA Angels as Michael Lorenzen winds up getting just completely trucked in this one. Eight runs, seven of which were earned, given up over the course of three innings. And that's trucked with a T, by the way, as you wind up having Chaz McCormick get his seventh home run season. You wind up having Yuli Gurriel wind up getting his seventh. And Jake Myers was able to get his first of the season. From there, things were able to stabilize a little bit with Elvis Piguero being able to give you three scoreless innings and over Ortega. He was able to give you a pair of scoreless innings. And for the Angels, you did wind up having Shoy Otani get his 18th home run season. That came in the first inning, and then things died from there. Christian Javier gives up that home run in the first inning, and he settled down from there. Gives up one hit in this one, so he's allowed one hit in his last 14 innings with 27 strikeouts. He has been really, really good recently, and this is against the Angels and the Yankees that we're talking about. From there, you have Inoli Paredes and Brian Abreu both give you a scoreless setting. You wound up having a shutout in San Francisco, but it was the White Sox that were able to get that shutout. 1-0. They take down the San Francisco Giants. Lance Lynn had not really been looking like himself until Friday night. Six scoreless innings from him, and then Joe Kelly, Tanner Bakes, Tendall, Kendall Graveman. They all give you a scoreless setting, and for the Chicago White Sox, they go 1-5 with men in scoring position. It was just enough as Alex Cobb, solid start here. Five scoreless innings, only won 67 pitches. So that was a little bit of an issue, but John Brebbia, Tyler Rogers, Dominique Leon, they all give you a scoreless saying. And Camilio Duvall, he gives up an under run as he was hurt by his own fielding error in the ninth inning. I feel like we've got to find a way to wind up having these pitchers wind up paying for things like that, but that is a discussion for another day. Also out there on the West Coast, really wound up seeing a lot of low-scoring games as the LA Dodgers. They wind up taking down the San Diego Padres by a count of 5-1. to one. For the Padres, Blake Snell, not a bad start here. 12 strikeouts, gives up one run. That one run was a solo run. Going deep for the Dodgers, Max Muncy, seventh home run season, but he was able to do his part. And then Craig Salmon comes in. He allows po- Cody Bellinger to go deep for his 11th home run season. One and two-thirds innings out of him. He gives up two runs, and then Tim Mill. He winds up getting four outs, gives up two runs along the way. And Tony Gonsolin, another solid start. He gives up a home run to Trent Grisham. Seventh home run season, but Gonsolin. First 10-game winner out there in the big leagues offered some length, seven and two-thirds innings, giving up one run. I don't know if Gonsolin should be the front runner for the Cy Young, but at minimum, he should be in the top three. He has been performing very well thus far. Advanced numbers indicate that there might be a little bit of regression, but hey, Buck 54 ERA, 10-0 record, what, what he's been able to do, pretty darn good. Craig Kimbrell, a scoreless thing, and then Evan Phillips. He gives you an out of the bullpen as well. High-scoring game out there, more towards the... Games that wound up going down west of the Mississippi, that would be the Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks with the Diamondbacks being able to beat up on Colorado. 9-3, the finalist, Merrill Kelly, a very solid start. Two runs, one of which was earned over the course of seven innings, did wind up allowing a deep fly to Ryan McMahon. Seventh home run season, then a little bit later, Sean Poppin gives up home run to Charlie Blackman. His 13th as Poppin allows a run in an inning, and Luke Weaver comes in for a scoreless inning in for the Arizona Diamondbacks. A little bit of a home run derby here as Antonio Cizatella winds up allowing a home run to Carson Kelly, his second of the season. Then Ty Block allows David Peralta to get his 10th home run season, and Alec Thomas his 7th home run season. That winds coming off of Robert Stevenson as Stevenson gives up four runs while getting five outs. Ty Block actually offered some relatively 
absolutely solid long relief, giving up one run in four innings. It sends Attila not long for this game. Goes two innings, gives up three runs, wound up being yanked after 37 pitches with a little bit of an injury, and then Carlos Aceves, he gets four outside of the bullpen, giving up a run along the way. The biggest butt kicking of the day, that's the one that the Milwaukee Brewers laid on the Pittsburgh Pirates. If you're making on an under like I was with one Corbin Burns on the mound, well, it did not wind up happening because his offense wound up erupting this one. But if you took the run line, you're good there. 19-2, the Milwaukee Brewers get it done as Mr. Burns, very solid. One run given up in six innings. And on the road, Burns, a sub-175 ERA the last two seasons. From there, Trevor Kelly gives up a run in two innings. And Mark Barrasso, because the team was up by so many runs, he pitches actually a squirrel of setting. Not bad out of him, but for the Milwaukee Brewers, Victor Carantini gets a sixth home run season. William Adams his 16th home run. Rowdy Tella has his 16th home run season. Luis Arias winds up getting his ninth home run season. And Casadira, hip hip hurrah for his seventh home run season as Ronzi Contreras got five outs and he allowed seven runs, including three jacks. From there, Austin Bryce gives up two runs to two and a third innings. This is going to bolster your ERA. Cam View. He winds up giving up eight runs, seven of which were earned in an inning. He now has a 14-40 ERA. Aaron Fletcher, three scoreless innings, and Josh Van Meter comes in for an inning. That's a position player. He gave up two runs, and the Pittsburgh Pirates went over town with Ben in scoring position. So that was not so great for them. This was not great for the Boston Red Sox, as the Chicago Cubs wind up getting a 6-5 win against them. For Jaron Duran, he winds up getting his first home run season off of Adrian Sampson, as Sampson you figured he was in for a little bit of regression, and that wound up happening. Five runs, four of which were earned, given up in five and a third innings. A Cubs bullpen that entered into this game with a north of 6 ERA over the last 30 days, so went to work. Chris Martin, along with David Robertson, both give you a scoreless setting. Brandon Hughes gives you a scoreless setting as well. And then Scott Effers, pair of outside the bullpen for the Cubs. They do wind up going overtime with men in scoring position with 11 men stranded. But Christopher Morrell was able to go deep off of Enzo Robles. Is a thumb run season for Robles. Did not wind up going well from out of the bullpen. Three runs give it up while getting just two outs, including that home run. Tyler Danish, Jake Diekman, both give you not out of the bullpen. And Ida Kazasada two scoreless innings after Rich Hill. Did not wind up lasting too long in this game, giving up three runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. Out there in the Central, you wind up having the St. Louis Cardinals take an L by a count of 5-3 to three against the Philadelphia Phillies. Bailey Falter did wind up having his falters as the starter for the Philadelphia Phillies, giving up three runs, including a home run to Nolan Arenado, 15th home run season. But a Phillies bullpen that has actually been a bit improved went to work from there. Andrew Bellotti, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Brad Hand, I'll give you a scoreless setting. And then Jose Alvarado, Nick Nelson, thank you mind for two scoreless settings for the Phillies. Pair of home runs in this one. Reese Hoskins winds up getting his 16th home run season. And then Derek Hall winds up getting his third home run in his third game of the season and his third in the last two games as he winds up being able to bolt that one off of Miles Michaelis as Michaelis winds up giving up that home run. Four runs in total over the course of five and two-thirds innings, but was hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field. Zach Thompson along with Packy Naughton. Great name. They both give you a scoreless setting, and you don't mess with the Yohan Oviedo. Allows that home run to Reese Hoskins, giving up one run over the course of two-thirds of an inning. You did wind up having the DK Nation pick of the Miami Marlins come through. Six to three. They take it to the Washington Nationals. He was Gray. Had given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. That looked very solid. He gets destroyed. 
giving up six runs in five and two-thirds innings. And for Miami, you wound up having Brett Anderson get his third home run season. From there, the bullpen was able to do their part. Erasmo Ramirez, four outside the bullpen, Reed Garrett, along with Mason Thompson, both give you a scoreless inning. And it's not been a good year for Trevor Rodgers, but his ERA on the road is less than half that. That is, is at home. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. Still in Florida. It's not been great for this team. He gives up two runs in an inning, including a home run to Kiba Ruiz, third home run season, but Anthony Bass, Stephen Okert, Tanner Scott. They'll give you a scoreless saying to be able to get that one to the window. On Canada Day, the team from Canada, the Blue Jays, they wind up just pounding the Tampa Bay Rays, signed to the final in the race. They're now a bottom eight team in terms of runs scored per game out there in the big leagues. It's been a little bit tough for them as they wind up stranding 11 men on base and Craig Kluber. Five runs given up over the course of three innings. From there, you wind up having four runs given up in two innings from David McKay. You do wind up getting two innings scoreless out of Phoenix Sanders, but it was so bad that you wound up having Brett Phillips come in for an inning, and he was able to deliver a scoreless inning with his unorthodox style for the Toronto Blue Jays. One home run the game came off the bat of Lourdes Gurriel. Now winds coming off of David McKay, fifth home run season as Jose Barrios, who has always been such a better pitcher home to road. North of a 70 area on the road, right around a three at home. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Sergio Romo along Trent Thornton both give you a scoreless setting, and Max Castillo was able to deliver two scoreless of his own. Out West, he did wind up having the Oakland A's go on the road and take down the Seattle Mariners 3-1 to the final as James Caprillian, who has really been having a bad year. He put it all together in this one. One run surrendered over the course of six innings. Domingo Acevedo and Zach Jackson combined for two scoreless settings. And Lou Trevino was able to give you a scoreless setting for the Oakland A's. He's still been struggling to drive men in, two of 12 men in scoring position, but Sean Murphy gets his ninth home run season off of Penn Murphy as Murphy ends up allowing that sole home run over the course of his inning of work. And Marco Gonzalez, not a bad start here, gives up two runs over the course of six innings, but he takes a loss as Eric Swanson, Ken Giles, both are able to deliver a scoreless inning of their own. The Baltimore Orioles have been in a little bit of funk on offense. They have scored three runs or fewer now for either last five games, and they couldn't get much generated against the Minnesota Twins, three to two, the finalists. The Twins were actually down by kind of two to one going into the bottom of the ninth, and then that man, Byron Buxton, winds up going deep. 21st home run season. That winds coming off of Ore Lopez, who has been very good as a closer this season, but he does not wind up getting a single out. Gives up those two runs. CNL Perez, Felix Batista out of the bullpen. They combine for two scoreless settings as Spencer Watkins. Wanda putting together a really nice start, giving up one run over the course of six innings, but the Twins, they themselves, giving up three runs or fewer, and now eight out of their last ten games, and they did their part in this one, as they wound up having a very good start out of Joe Ryan, giving up one run in seven innings. Caleb Theobar allows a run in two-thirds of an inning, not a shocker there, and then Juan Mania comes in, gets four outs out of the bullpen for the Minnesota Twins to be able to get that one to the window. The Kansas City Royals, they go on the road, and they take down the Detroit Tigers by a count of three to one as Brad Keller, a terrific start. Six scoreless settings. Scott Barlow did wind up giving up a run late in this one as he gives up one run while getting four outs. But Jose Cuas, Taylor Clark, five outs out of the bullpen out of those gentlemen. And for the Kansas City Royals, pair of home runs. Hunter Dozier gets his eighth of the season. Then Vinny Pasquinto, hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. He winds up getting his first of the season. It's Michael Pineda wound up making his first start in quite a while. And turned into Michael Pineda in this one as 
He wound up throwing the rubber for the first time since mid-May. Gives up those two home runs, three runs to total over the course of five innings. Bullpen of the Tigers has been in the top six in terms of ERA this season, and Tyler Alexander gave you two scoreless innings. Will Vest, Jason Foley, both wind up delivering a scoreless inning as well, but nothing doing for a Tigers team that's averaging by far the fewest runs per game out there in the big leagues. The Mets, they've been seeing a little bit of falters with their offense recently, but they got just enough offense to be able to get this one done. 4-3, to three, the finalists. They got all four runs in the fourth inning. Those came off of Glenn Otto, who winds up giving up four runs in four innings, including home run to Mr. Eduardo Escobar, seventh home run of the season for the Mets. They had David Peterson, great name, give up a pair of homers, but punched out 10, gave up three runs in total over the course of six innings, going deep off of him. Marcus Simeon, ninth home run season. Nate Lowe got low for his 11th home run season, but then Seth Lugo, Adam Adovino, Edwin Diaz, they all give you a scoreless inning, and for Texas, Bullpen was solid in this one. Brock Burke, two scoreless innings. Brett Martin along with Garrett Richards. They deliver a scoreless inning as well. So the Mets, they play an under and are able to get that one done. You want to see the Atlanta Braves go to Cincinnati. And Mike Miner continues to be a major disappointment. 9-1 to the finalist for Miner. He winds up giving up a home run. Two runs in total over the course of six innings. Not a terrible start for him, but the bullpen behind him, it is an issue. It is the lone bullpen that is north of a 5 ERA right now. Joel Kuno. Gives up three runs in an inning. His ERA is now a Boeing 717 as going deep off of him for the Atlanta Braves. Danzy Swanson, 14th home run season. The home run that Miner allowed, that was to Austin Riley, 19th home run season. He wind up having Luis Sessa give up three runs in an inning. And Jeff Hoffman, he gives up a run in an inning as Max Fried continues to be very good. One run given up over the course of seven innings. Colin McHugh was able to give you a scoreless inning along with Salvino Baracho. That's not a name that I've said in quite a while, so... Good for him for being able to get in there. And speaking of being able to get in there, we have been able to see the bookmakers get in there and really balance things out in terms of overs and unders. We all remember at the beginning part of the season, we wound up seeing just such an under binge to begin the campaign. But you take a look at the last 30 days, and it has been very balanced. You've had 192 overs, so 185 unders, so right around 50.9% of games, according to covers, have won over in the last 30 days. It's really been a big run for favorites, though. 242 and 154 straight up over the last 30 days, but favorites at home have had a tough time being able to cover the run line, as we have seen 46 instances over the last 30 days in which a home team that was favored wound up winning, but wound up winning by approximately one run, and if you take a look at home favorites for the season, they are 433 and 299 straight up. There is actually a smaller win percentage for home favorites rather than road favorites, but with that said, among the 433 straight-up wins, just 296 have been on the run line. So 137 instances in which a money line favorite at home has been unable to cover the run line. And overall, favorites are hitting a 60.1% clip this season, 688 and 456. And overall, unders are hitting at about a 51.3% clip. 557 unders to 529 overs as far as the season. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Friday. Now let's turn it forward to Saturday, and let's take a look at some of these big weekend series and what we're all getting in the futures market in general in the National League, and just gauge how wide open it is with our good friend Ben Wilson of Beeson. That is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, he's gonna guard, and then on I'm top of it, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Houston Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guest as Ben Wilson is a man of many different talents. He does some great work in terms of the play-by-play world. You probably saw him during the college basketball season as he was doing some work over there at Fox Sports 1. He was also doing some tremendous work out here, just being able to cover the West Coast team. So this is a guy that does a great job with that regard. I know that he's been doing a lot of indoor football this season as well. You've heard him on places like Stadium as well, ESPN Plus, and he does absolutely amazing work for VEASAN as well. As I know that he's been doing quite a bit of work when it comes to things like primetime action. And I know that he's been filling in on a few other shows as well, like betting across America and to be able to follow Ben Wilson on Twitter. That is at Ben underscore Wilson. And then another underscore and then the number one and Ben always a pleasure. My friend. Thank you. Absolutely. Greg, always the greatest intro man in the, in the podcasting business. It is always a pleasure to come back on your lovely show. It is always great to have you aboard and it is great to have another man from the great state of Wisconsin on this show as well. And, I think that it is still so intriguing because every time we wind up having you on about like once a month or so, give or take maybe like a week or two here and there. But with that said, we always take a look at the Cardinals and the Brewers with regards to the odds to be able to win the National League Central. And as we're doing this podcast, the Brewers, they find themselves in a lot of places 
right in that neighborhood of about a $2-ish favorite, give or take a little bit. This is going to be toggling based on when you wind up hearing it, but St. Louis Cardinals says I'm seeing it at DraftKings, plus 150, Brewers at a minus 210. Do I think that the Brewers should be a favorite? I feel a little bit more so now that we want to see Brandon Woodruff come back in that series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Looked very good in that start. As a matter of fact, might have been his best start of the year. But when I take a look at the Brewers at minus 210, I still think that this is a little bit too steep. But I think that we're in for a really good race this summer between the Cardinals and the Brewers. I'm not sure where you stand on this, but I think that the Brewers should be a favorite. I don't think it should be quite minus 210 right now, though. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And I first off think the Brandon Woodruff return and the effectiveness in which he pitched in that return start, I don't know that enough has been made of that development because that is a big deal for a rotation that had all sorts of injury issues and they still have Freddie Peralta on the shelf and now Aaron Ashby is on the shelf as well. We've seen Eric Lauer start to regress a little bit. The Woodruff piece, and it wasn't just that he was on the IL, hadn't really had command before then. He had the weird Raynaud syndrome thing where – he had numbness in his fingers, which last time I checked, Greg, not uh, not exactly ideal for a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball to not be able to grip the baseball and feel your fingers. So that is a development that's probably not getting talked about enough, and I think it's probably just because his numbers hadn't been great early on in the season. But in general, this kind of is shaping up as just one of those classic like great back-and-forth battles. And you have to assume, right, both of these teams, Brewers and Cardinals, are, are just going to feast on the rest of this division with the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds where you're you're pretty much playing all summer. And, I mean, the Cardinals, I, I actually think do, if we're talking about who figures to take advantage of that week's schedule better, I would actually give the lean to the Cardinals simply because they can mash you to death. Their pitching is certainly proven to be a lot more inconsistent. But what do you think about some of the bullpens right now we're seeing in Chicago, in Cincinnati, Pittsburgh to an extent? I mean, there are so many games on, on a day-to-day basis where the Cardinals essentially, I mean, they're, they're top 10 in just about every category. Ironically, home runs is not one of those, but they still do so many things well offensively. And I have to imagine they're going to get so many wins, whether that's either coming from behind against bad bullpens or just hitting their way to victory in a lot of these Pirate Cub Red Series. Whereas Brewers just run so hot and cold with the offense that, that you know the pitching for the most part will be there. But they have these stretches where, you know, you'll have a week, week-to-week week setup where you look at the Brewers and you're like, has everybody forgotten how to hit? And that's kind of been their Achilles heel. You wonder, with very little margin for error there, it's a one-and-a-half game lead, as you know, as we're talking right now. You do wonder, should this thing not be more like a coin flip? And so I, I tend to agree with you as far as the odds market is concerned. You know, give the Brewers maybe a slight favorite. I'm not going to, you know, I'm sitting on that minus 170 Brewers ticket from the preseason. I'm not doing anything there. But it definitely has that feel of a, of a race that's going to go back and forth. And I would just think in these intra-NL Central matchups, you can probably do well just betting a lot of overs depending on the pitching matchups or in-game spots with the Cardinals because that is the one thing they do, even though you just don't really know what you're getting on a night-to-night basis with them on the pitching side. Yep, when it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers, you know that if you're able to get into the 8th and ninth inning with a lead, you can feel very safe with Devin Williams and Josh Hader, in my opinion, the most trustworthy one-two punch in the back half of a game to your point you just don't know week to week what the Brewers are going to be able to do with the bats and it seems like every time they wind up playing against the Cincinnati Reds that always be is the team that winds up being able to get them out of a funk so they just need to play the Cincinnati Reds a little bit more and the Brewers will be very very solid with regards to their offense against teams not named the Cincinnati Reds certainly has been a little bit more of an issue as we do have Ben Wilson joining me on the podcast and with the Brewers even with the offensive struggles that we're alluding to a little bit it just feels like unlike in the American League where 
the top two teams, the Yankees and the Astros, two teams that they wound up doing battle quite a bit over these last 10 days. They feel like the by far top two teams that everyone else is fighting for third place. It feels a little bit more open this year in the National League. I still default to the LA Dodgers being the top team out there in the National League. But with that said, the Mets have really been able to put together a nice run this season when they wind up getting back Max Scherzer along Jacob DeGrom. Sky is the limit for them and that pitching staff. But the Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, they've run off good win streaks. You now have some question marks with the Phillies with that Bryce Harper injury. But we wind up alluding to the Brewers and the Cardinals. And I take a look at things and are the Dodgers better than the Cardinals and the Brewers? Yes, but I don't think that there's too much of a quantum gap. And in a five to seven game series, I feel like you could wind up seeing a little bit of anarchy on the National League this season. Oh, no question. And let's keep in mind, the Dodgers, it's not like they're locks to win that division either. We saw how that played out last year. The Giants outdueled them. I have kind of felt this whole time too. I mean, the Padres represent pretty good value. They're, you know, they're sitting there at seven to one. And I'm just looking at, you know, at least one shop on the East Coast. You can probably find a little bit better on them depending on where you look. But that's a classic case where the number is always going to be a little bit manipulated in the market simply because they're a dog doing the division. And the assumption is, all right, if you're going through the wild card route, that's naturally going to be a longer shot since there's more variance there. But I felt this whole time, you, you know, you bring in a legit manager like a Bob Melvin to replace a fraud in Jace Tingler. That is a start and that gets you on the right path. I'll be very interested to see. We had the stretch where Joe Musgrove was on the COVID IL, looked kind of shaky coming back. Again, that's one of those classic mid-season June things, right, that we maybe you worry about on a day-to-day betting basis, but not like he'll be fine long-term. Bullpen, for the most part, I know Taylor Rogers blew a save the other day, but for the most part, that has been pretty reliable. And depending on, and we also saw Manny Machado come back. He you know, was pretty fortunate, all things considered, to avoid more significant injury. So really the only question mark on them is, is Tatis, and we're still kind of unsure right now. We figured we'd have more clarity by now, but we still don't. Assuming that that eventually works itself out, and even if it doesn't, this team is deep enough lineup-wise to still compete with anybody. Like I'm not convinced that that's, a, and I, I know we're, we're talking here, they're in the middle of a big weekend series with the Dodgers, but I kind of like this depth of their pitching a little bit more over L.A., and I wouldn't be stunned. I think I'd rather just take the value, take them to win the NL pennant. That's still going to be a team should kind of value a lot more evenly with the team like the Dodgers. And that kind of goes hand in hand, right, with the team like maybe the Mets and the Braves. And so when you look at this and you base it on the odds, like you're, you're getting the best value with San Diego right now. And that's kind of who, if I'm looking to make a, a play right now, assuming like the Mets, Braves, they're still going to be jockeying for position. Still, those odds are going to be five to one or, or less which isn't really a surprise. That's kind of the angle I'm looking at, though, is, is on San Diego. And they haven't really shown me anything, Greg, to, to doubt them at least making a run. And, you know, if I'm agreeing with you here that I think the NL's fairly wide open, you might as well take a shot at that when you feel like they're going to be right there at the end of the day. Yep, yeah, you've got the Padres at 7-1 to right now, DraftKings to be able to win the National League. You've got the Giants at 15-1, to Cardinals at 16-1, to Phillies at 20-1. to I honestly think that out of those... The Cardinals at 16 to 1 calls my name the most, so as we do have Ben Wilson joining me on the podcast. And frankly enough, those two teams at 16 and 20 to 1, the Phillies and the Cardinals, they're going to be doing battle this weekend. We are doing this before we wind up knowing what wound up happening in the first game of the set on Friday. But with Philadelphia Phillies, even without Bryce Harper, I think that there's enough depth in that lineup that they're going to be able to maintain for quite a while. They're going to need Bryce Harper if they want to be able to make a realistic run in the National League playoffs, but I do think that they can hold down the fort for the time being because the bullpen hasn't been as terrible as it's been in the past, which 
I mean, halfway decent for the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. Mm-hmm. That's more than good enough for them. And I do take a look at this Cardinals team. Maybe they could wind up using another pitcher. They could use Jack Flaherty to come back fully healthy because in the few starts that he has made this season, it's just not been the Jack Flaherty of old. But I take a look at that Cardinals team, and they've got one of the most prolific lineups out there in baseball. They've got a relatively solid bullpen. Andre Pallanti has turned out to be a relatively solid starter, though I do think that there might be a little bit of regression with him. But I mean, even guys like a Miles Michaelis being able to come in, do a very solid job every fifth day, giving this team a solid start. 16 to 1 on the Cardinals, and I mentioned it with regards to the division price as well. I think that this is going to be a team that's very dangerous, and they just have that pedigree of year in and year out, always being a thorn in the side of everyone else in Major League Baseball because they just never wind up quitting in any game. I know. It's amazing how that works. They have the type of roster to do that again this year. I just wonder about like a guy like Jack Flaherty who you know comes back, starting to build up, and then third start has, you know, has signs of a dead arm. For a guy who's had a lot of injury issues in the past, that's the one thing for me. Like the Cardinals can hit their way to you know to success and to potentially winning that division. And Paul Goldschmidt very well could win the MVP. The way things are breaking now, with how all the top candidates basically outside Goldschmidt uh, and Alonzo are getting hurt, I, he's certainly got to be your MVP right now. And when you have a 200 WRC plus, it's difficult to make a case against him. But I just wonder when you talk about like getting towards October and getting overall pitching depth where. We still really have no clue what 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 to expect out of uh, Alex Reyes. Like if that's even going to be, uh, you know, where he's even going to pitch this year. We just saw Hennessy Cabrera, who was starting to, you know, he's obviously on the COVID list, but he was you know, just starting to pseudo round into form. Ryan Helsley blowing a save the other day. Giovanni Gallegos, just when you think you can start to trust him, he blows a save. So. It's one of those deals where I just, I'm not sure how much trust I have in that, uh, in that bullpen. And given that Flaherty is on the shelf, given that Wainwright has certainly had his ups and downs. I mean, the home road splits for Wainwright have always been pretty stark, but you know, even more, even greater degree this year as far as how good he's been at home versus on the road. I'm just not sure if I can get there on the futures market with the Cardinals. The Phillies team you mentioned, it's interesting, right? Because it, even with how good Harper had been and the fact that his June numbers were better than Goldschmidt's, which is kind of insane to even think about that. And, and obviously goes out and we'll see if he even comes back before the end of the year. I know they're hoping that happens, but with that bullpen, that's where it's interesting for me because Sir Anthony Dominguez, I love, and he's finally really turned a corner and like the stuff has always been there. It's always been command for him. But my question is, like, you have an interim manager, a lot of the strings are being pulled from the front office. How aggressive are they actually going to be and and willing to let him kind of anchor that back end of the bullpen? Because if the answer is yes, they're going to let him do his thing, you could actually make a case. Like, this bullpen could round into a pretty good form with the way Brad Hand and Canable when they're actually healthy, Jose Alvarado, same deal, at least in like those middle to late innings. The issue is when you start, you know, having all these cooks in the kitchen and it's like, let's just, let's throw out Brad Hand for a save here or let's give Canable another shot now that he's back from injury. It just kind of muddies up the waters and they've made Dominguez, on, they haven't been making him available really on back-to-backs or even, you know, three out of every four days. So that's kind of my question for them, but there could be a few spots to play the Phillies in the market on just a game-to-game basis where, General narrative is, okay, no Harper. The whole boon they got from firing Joe Girardi has worn off after the 18-6 and six, uh, reaction after him. But I still think there's still good pitching at the top there for Philadelphia, and you could find yourself in spots where, with the right pitching matchup, they, they still have a lot of offense to offer even without Harper. There's a team that could have value right there. It's just is kind of dependent on how you value the bullpen is going forward. I think that bullpen pitching is going to be so big, and for the LA Dodgers, ironically enough, it has been a case where, a lot of the more known guys like Broussard or Gratterall, along Craig Kimbrell, 
they have not stepped up. And it's been the guys that you don't think of, like an Alex Vecchio, have been solid. So I do think that that is going to be interesting. And we've seen that with so many of these teams as well, like with the Atlanta Braves, for instance. Guys like Will Smith, Darren O'Day, they haven't necessarily been too terrific, but someone like an Asus Cruz has been able to come in. He's been able to do a very solid job. And even a guy we were talking about, the NL Central, Hobie Milner, has been very solid for the Milwaukee Brewers as well. So some of these off-the-radar bullpen pieces I think are going to be critical down the stretch. And Ben, when it comes to what we're going to be seeing just in general Major League Baseball, what is a series or two that you're really locked in on? Because I did illustrate that the Cardinals and the Philly series, in my opinion, this is going to be a pretty big one that we're going to be seeing this weekend. And we've got quite a few of them. Is there one or two in particular that you're going to be locked in on as to what we're going to be able to get out of some of these teams that perhaps you might be looking to take a little bit of a flyer if they wind up having a good slash bad weekend? I really want to see what what we get out of Toronto's pitching this weekend against Tampa Bay because those are two teams who, again, in, in the market at least, their numbers certainly have been subdued by what the Yankees are doing. You certainly understand that. It's not like you're going to be betting them winning the division. But at the same time, and it, you know, it's not like it's as appealing in the AL to want to take flyers at long shots with how good the Yankees and the Astros have appeared. Having said all that, there are certainly teams that you kind of expect to round into form. And I've been so unimpressed with what we've seen out of Yusei Kikuchi, Jose Barrios. I do question whether those guys can turn it around. This weekend series, I do believe, Greg, it's a pretty good litmus test when you look at what the Rays have been doing. You know, they just had that series. They lose. They've been so good in interleague play, lose two at home to the Brewers. You know, They go to Toronto, who've essentially been doing their best to get by by just mashing you to death. It's almost like they're the AL version of the St. Louis Cardinals. But in a weekend series like this, where you're going to you know, have Kikuchi, you get Barrios, and it, you know, with it being a five-game set, you're going to see basically everybody there. And so, like, how will Gausman hold up in a matchup like that? You'll, you know, I think Manoa is the only guy who will not pitch, you know, of what we're seeing so far since they have the doubleheader Saturday, and you know, likely they'll use a bullpen day on that. But that's a series we kind of t- we saw it earlier. We saw this five-game series in week with the Guardians Twins, where you know that you you find a lot about some of these teams that are kind of below right that upper echelon, and you're sort of wondering, all right, how will they look? You know, they've beaten up on a lot of bad teams, and they've been able to get themselves over 500 and at least in position here as we come up on the All-Star break. But you learn a lot about these teams when they actually square off against each other. Like, for, for instance, we learned a lot about, like, a Tristan McKenzie. I mean, back-to-back starts against Minnesota. It really fell off a cliff for him in a hurry. And I think we kind of realized, all right, Minnesota, maybe there's some staying power. Probably not as much for Cleveland. They've just been feasting off poor opponents. So that's the question. I'm not really sure. I've, I've been kind of on the fence with both these Rays and Blue Jays teams. I've always, for a long time, loved the infrastructure the Rays have pitching-wise. And they've still been a little bit shorthanded recently. You know, they've struggled uh, at the plate as of late and just haven't been getting much in, with runners in scoring position. Jays are totally the opposite. So you know, we'll see these teams play again, obviously, a lot. But having a five-game set like this right before the All-Star break, it, it's certainly one that has more importance than normal just because of the way the wild card formats have been extended this year. And you've got those two teams who are certainly both favored to make the playoffs right now. Uh, that's a series I'm going to be really keying in on and seeing if we see, especially these struggling pitchers for Toronto, are they making adjustments? And will we likewise see the Rays at all pick up on their hitting, which has kind of been a bugaboo for them. And we're doing this before we wind up knowing how Jose Barrios wound up doing on Friday, but you say Kikuchi actually delivered a good start on Thursday. Someone Amazing. needs to call the papers because, and it's not happened a lot and for the Tampa Bay Rays, all about the offense at this point. Can Wander Franco, his return, be able to ignite this team because then a little bit rough because on a night and a night basis, you're going to be finding three to four guys in that Rays lineup hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. So that's been a little bit rough 
A man that is always hitting well above that, though, and a man that always does a great job with everything that he winds up doing. That'd be you, Ben. I know you've been doing a lot of play-by-play work, and I know that you're going to be back out there in the great Midwest this weekend. So you're a man that you're very busy. You do just a wide variety of things, including for us over at Beeson. So a lot of good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow on on social media and other platforms. I appreciate that, Greg. At Ben underscore Wilson underscore one. And at least for the rest of summer, I'll I'll be doing primetime action Monday and Tuesday nights, every night, 7 to 10 Eastern, which is always a lot of fun. And I know you're doing a lot of the look ahead shows. So there are times where we're leading into you, Greg. And I know we get to cross over on the weekends as well. Right now we're we're getting into the home stretch of play-by-play with arena football about to wrap up. So I kind of enjoy hosting in July and August. I know a lot of people get complain about it in sports media, but I love baseball. So I love I love talking about the cards every night. It's a lot of fun for me. So it'll be a lot of interesting development here just to see what happens with a lot of these teams over the next month or so. And it'll be fun to kind of track it all day by day. Me too. And plus, when it comes to this time of year as well, you can throw out ridiculous football takes as well. And they won't be wrong until several months down the line. So at the very least, it is a delay on the fact of whether you are right or wrong. It's always fun to speculate, in my opinion, because when you wind up having this time of year, everything is a blank canvas. Who knows? Maybe we could see the Chicago Bears actually win games. Who are we kidding? We're a bunch of Wisconsin folks. You know, <laughs> that's not going to wind up happening. But with that said, it is always fun to be able to take a look forward to all things football. And baseball day in and day out always provides a lot of opportunities for a lot of winners. And Ben does a great job of being able to unearth those and does a great job with all of his work. So big thanks, Sam, for joining me right here on the Baseball Winning Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, 
and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is colin coward from the herd with colin cowherd angie's list is now angie the nation's largest home service marketplace They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beast Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Ben Wilson on the show. Does a great job over here at Beeson. Does tons and tons of play-by-play work as well. Everything from college basketball on Fox Sports all the way to arena football slash indoor football. Guy does it all. Always great to be able to get him aboard and always great to get on a fellow Wisconsinite as well. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where we wind up going with the National League games first and the American League games and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there, and we are going to have a double header between the Rays and the Jays, and it's going to be a little bit out of rotation order, but I'm going to do both of those games together just because I don't want to be reeling off statistics and just insights on the same player twice within like a 20 to 25 minute span. So there is that aspect. 951-952 is the first game that's up, though. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're on the road. They're facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies as Kyle Gibson is going to be on the bump for the Phillies and Matthew Libator is going to be on the bump for the St. Louis Cardinals with the Phillies. You're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 130, as good as a minus 122, and on the Cardinals, and between plus 110 and plus 115 is your price, 9.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120, the under is anywhere between even a minus 105. I do think that 9.5, just a little bit too high. You saw Bryce Harper on the fold for the Philadelphia Phillies, and going to be on the fold moving forward for the Philadelphia Phillies. You do have Kyle Schwarber has been able to do a very amazing job of being able to crank out 20-plus home runs for the team. Batting average has not necessarily been too terrific. Right around about a 225-ish, but the Ambies north of a 340. That's been rock solid. Boris Hoskins hitting over 300 over the last 30 days as he, Nick Cassiano, Steedy Gregorius, Matt Veerling all between about a 240 to 260. And then you've got Garrett Stubbs at the catcher spot who's been solid whenever JT Riemuto has been out of the fold much like he was yesterday. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you do have a team that They've been able to do an amazing job of being able to get on base. We've got Nolan Arenado along with Tommy Edmond throwing there something like a Harrison Bader. And Juan Yepes hitting between a 265 to a 285. Nolan Gorman has fallen off the pace a little bit, but he's still been solid. You wound up having Nolan Arenado get home run number 15 yesterday and for Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, guy is hitting over a 340. Entered into yesterday with 65 RBI. He has been incredible. Brendan Donovan, he's hitting a three. You do have a couple question marks when it comes to this St. Louis Cardinals bullpen, but by and large, they've still been a top half of the bullpen in the league. You do have Genesis Cabrera, though, currently out of the full due to injury. Ryan Elsley starting to give up a few runs. Zach Thompson, a little bit of a long guy. He does have a few question marks with him, but you do take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, and it's fair to question their bullpen as well as they want to giving up a few runs early. You've got Mark Appel, the former number one overall pick. He is finally up at the big league level. Great story there. Corey Knable has been used more in the seventh inning by this team, and it's worked out relatively well. Brad Anser, Anthony Dominguez, towards back half games. These guys have been solid. You do have a little bit more of a tired bullpen, but I do think that Kyle Gibson going to be able to lend a little bit of a better start here than Matthew Libertor. Libertor wound up spending quite a bit of time at the minor league level this season. He's dealt with a little bit of injury as well, and when he's been up at the big league level, hasn't been too bad in terms of swinging and stuff. Right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. Big thing with him is that his command is not there yet. Right around five walks per nine innings. 
allowed four home runs in his four starts across 18 innings, and two of those starts wound up coming against the Pittsburgh Pirates, one against the Chicago Cubs, so it's a little bit of an issue, and for Kyle Gibson, he always pitches so much better at home than he does on the road. 321 home ERA, 634 road ERA, so that's a big discrepancy, despite the fact that he's actually given up more home runs at home rather than on the road, but just a case in which it seems like he's a little bit more comfortable in Philadelphia rather than when he's on the road, and he's been able to do a good job of being overrated in, in terms of walks as well, right around 2.5 walks per nine innings. So I do end up saying the Phillies minus 134 here. I'm going to be willing to lay that number nine and a half for me. Just a little bit too lofty. Cardinals bullpen so relatively solid. And the Phillies, they've been able to round in form as well with regards to their bullpen. So on the nine and a half, I'm looking at the under and I'm going to be taking a look at the Phillies. 953 and 954 on the betting board. A completely off the board game between the Brewers and the Pittsburgh Pirates. To be determined versus to be determined on the betting board as a matter of fact. Looks like Aaron Ashby should be getting the start here. And right now ESPN is projecting that Zach Tom and get a good start for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But before I wind up saying anything... Subject to a lot of change here, but if we wind up getting Aaron Ashby against Zach Thompson, I wind up saying the Brewers at a minus 137 and made an 8.2 total, which means an 8 or less, I'll be looking at an over 8.5 or higher to the under if we do wind up getting Zach Thompson. He's really been able to do a better job ever since the first half of the season where things were absolutely terrible for him. In the months of May and June, right around a 250 ERA after he wound up getting lit up for a 10 ERA in the month of April, he has been giving up a little bit too much of the deep ball. He's been giving up nearly two home runs per nine innings, but at home, he's been able to do a nice job with a 369 home ERA compared to a 556 ERA on the road, and for Zach Thompson, walks a little bit of an issue, nearly four walks per nine innings, he's able to get right around seven strikeouts per nine innings over Aaron Ashby, he himself is someone that winds up giving up a lot of walks, but he's got absolutely nasty swing and miss stuff over ten strikeouts per nine innings, took him a few starts to be able to get acclimated, but looks relatively solid, but this would be his first start since the middle of June, June 16th, as a matter of fact, if he does wind up getting the start here, and in his previous three starts, he did wind up allowing 14 runs. It was a case in which he was able to rate it in with regards to walks, but it's given up a home run in each out of his last four starts, but with the Brewers. reason why I made them a minus-137 favorite, they back him up with a good bullpen. You've got Josh Hader, Devin Williams, the best one-two punch in the eighth and ninth inning in all of baseball, and then Hobie Milner along with Brad Boxberger. These are a pair of guys with sub-three ERAs. Trevor God is honestly the world's most trustworthy guy, but he's got a 350 ERA himself, and then for the Pirates, Yuri De Los Santos is actually about halfway decent for this bullpen, and been able to get some good production out of Tyler Beattie as a long guy. David Bernard, he gave up a few runs a few days ago, but he's been solid, but then you wind up getting into guys like Aaron Fletcher and company, and it's not necessarily too great, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they've had three different players since Father's Day hit for a three-home run game, which I don't know how, but that is the case, but I think that that's a little bit suspect. You've got Cabrian Ace, Brian Reynolds both hitting right around a 255 to a 260, along with a little bit of a younger guy in Topeka Medicano, who just wound up coming off the injury list for Reynolds, hitting over a 300 over the last three days, and he's really been leading the boom squad in terms of home runs with 15, but you do have Daniel Vogelback, Josh Van Meter throwing their Jacks Wisniewski, and... Mike Perez, both of these guys, Swizniski and Perez, are two of those guys that wound up having three home run games, by the way, hitting a 225 for Lauren for the Milwaukee Brewers. You really don't have anyone other than Mark Barrasso that winds up seeing meaningful at-bats hitting above a 265 for this team, but got a lot of guys hovering in between, I would say, that 245 to that 260 range. Jonathan Davis, you're able to throw in there, Omar Narvaez, Christian Yelich, Rowdy Tellez. Andrew McCutcheon, give or take a little bit there. Colton Wong, who just wanted coming back in the fold. William Adams, whenever he's been out there, has been solid for the team as 
He, along with Roddy Tellez, have been able to give you between 15 and 16 home runs in the Brewers. They certainly were able to light up the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday, so that means that the Pirates bullpen might be a little bit more suspect in this game. But with that said, if we get Ashby versus Thompson, it is a case in which I'd be saying the Brewers minus 137, eight or less would be looking at an over eight half or higher to the under 955, 956 on the bank board. The Washington Nationals are going to be playing also Miami Marlins. Dan Castano is going to be on the bump for the Fish, and Jackson Tetrielt is going to be on the bump for the Nationals. The Nationals are finding themselves as a slight underdog as the Miami Marlins in between a minus 115 to a minus 117 favorite on the Nats. Anywhere between minus 105 and plus 108 is your price. Nine and a half is your total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I do mind saying the Miami Marlins as a minus 118 favorite here. So at the minus 115, we're getting pretty much to the max I'm willing to lay, but I am going to be willing to lay it here with them. You do have a Miami Marlins team that has a pair of guys in Jazz Chislam along with Ode Solero, but able to give you a double-digit amount of homers thus far this season. And for the Miami Marlins, you do have guys that are able to get on base for you. John Birdie has been in the fold a little bit more for this team. He's sitting at 280, Asus Miguel Ross. Both of these guys sit in that pocket of about a 250. Gary Cooper, he's sitting at 320 himself. And Joey Wendell Wand returning to the fold yesterday. He's been able to 300. You got a couple guys like a Jacob Stallings, Asus Sanchez, Lair, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, that are hitting a 230 or lower, but they've been able to pick things up a little bit. And for the Washington Nationals, this is actually a squad that coming into the series was fifth in the big leagues in terms of batting average. They just have been dead last in the National League in terms of home runs. A big reason why is that Juan Soto is having a massive downer of a year. He's been able to hit right around 14, 15 home runs as far as the season, but he's only hitting a batting average of a 225, has been able to get on base, but it has been a really bad year for the odds-on favorite to win National League MVP coming into the campaign as he and Lane Thomas hang below a 330 along with Victor Robles, but you do have Keybatter Weez, Nelson Cruz, both of the Hernandezes, and Cesar and Yadiel Hernandez, Mikel Franco, all in that neighborhood about a 245 to a 260, but you just haven't been able to get a lot of power out of these guys. Josh Bell is able to 325, but hard to have any faith in this Washington Nationals bullpen either, as Kyle Finnegan has been all over the place for the team. He and Steve Ciszek both posting up another four ERAs. Reed Garrett, he's trying to give you something. He's been okay in the limited innings, but I think that we're going to see a little bit of regression there at Rice Ramirez, north of a four ERA. Miami Marlins, they certainly have not been a world beater in terms of ERA. Lewis Head is on the injured list after he wound up having one of the worst Junes humanly possible. Wound up entering into June with a 1-1-2 ERA. Left June with an ERA that was north of 6, so that's not great. Tommy Nance has an ERA that's hovering right around 6. Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro, both north of a 450 ERA. Anthony Basso, he's been able to give you right around a 2-ish ERA. Steven O'Kurt has been able to do a rock-solid job for this team as well, and then you do take a look at what you're able to get out of the starter and Dan Castano, and He's been able to do a nice job of being able to rein it in in terms of the walks. That was a little bit of an issue for him when he wound up getting his cups of coffee at the big league level during the 2020-2021 campaign as he's been able to make six total appearances, three starts, seven walks at 21 innings. You're going to be able to accept that. He only gets right around five and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but has been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up two home runs over the course of 21 innings. Last two starts haven't been great, giving up six runs over the course of 10 and a third innings, but he has been able to lead the team to victory in both of those. And Mr. Jackson Tetriel coming off of a very nice start in Texas. He wound up in Texas giving up just one run over the course of six innings. Prior to that, lit up for 10 runs in 11 innings in his first two starts. So, certainly has been a little bit of an up and down season for him for Tetriel in the big league level. He hasn't been able to get a lot of swings and misses right around four and a half strikeouts. 
for nine innings, someone that doesn't do a bad job with regards to command, but even in the minor league level, did wind up getting lit up with regards to the deep ball a little bit. So I'm going to be willing to lay it here with the Miami Marlins. Set up minus 118 at a nine and a half or less, like we're seeing right now. Going to be taking a look at the over as well. 957, 958 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves they had the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Tyler Molly getting the start. And Spencer Strider is going to be going for Atlanta. The Bravos are finding themselves anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the red legs, it's anywhere between plus 140 and plus 152. 9-9.5 is your total. 9.5 under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105 on the 9. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. And when it comes to the Braves, I was willing to make them a minus 146 favorite, so now that we've gotten to that plus 150 price that I'm seeing on the reds, I'm going to be willing to take a shot now. With Tyler Molly, he just has not been the same pitcher as he has been on the road when he's been at home. It's been really strange to take a look at because he's got a 5.13 home ERA compared to a 3.83 road ERA and his splits were even more demonstrative last season. Last season, he had a 2.30 road ERA compared to a 5.63 at home, giving up 19 out of his 24 bombs last season at home, but you do take a look at Tyler Molly and he's been able to rein things in a little bit more recently. He's given up a combined 8 earned runs over the course of his last 4 starts. A couple of those did wind up coming at home, and he's been able to do a tremendous job in terms of walks, giving up four walks over the course of his last four starts and in that time span as well. Getting very good swing and miss stuff, 33 punch outs. So I do like what I'm seeing in recent form there. And for Spencer Strider, he wanted to make his last start on Sunday Day Baseball, and he was masterful. No walks, seven strikeouts over the course of six scoreless innings. But that said, he's been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. Previous start gave up six runs in three and two thirds innings. That was a home start for him. And for Spencer Strider, he's actually been significantly better on the road. 213 road ERA, 381 ERA at home. But that said, out of those appearances that he made on the road, Five of them want it coming out of the bullpen compared to three starts as well. So, a little bit of a small sample size there. Strider able to give you some good swings and misses over 11 after eight cuts per nine innings, but also giving you four walks per nine innings. And with the Cincinnati Reds, this is a bunch that they do a nice job of being able to put up runs at home. They wound up having a streak a little bit earlier this season that they scored four plus runs in 22 out of 24 home games. And Brandon Jury hitting over at 270. He's been able to supply 15 home runs. Joy Votto says coming off the COVID IL, 350 on base for him. Kyle Farmer sitting at 280, Donovan Solano newly inserted into the lineup, hitting above a 300, Jonathan India's back to the fold he looks to be regaining his form once again, and for the Atlanta Braves, this team has really been able to barrel up the ball as you've got Matt Olson, Austin, Riley, both hitting between about a 250 to a 260 with Riley being able to give you now 19 home runs this season, Ronald Acuna Jr., he's back to the fold, 380 on base, Stancy Swanson has been one of the best players in terms of war, in terms of both offense and defense this season, hitting just below 313 home runs, doing and a nice job to be able to find a way on base for the Reds. The big issue that you do have with this team, bullpen. Dead last in terms of the big leagues, in terms of ERA. They are the only bullpen in the league with north of a 5 ERA. Joel Kunal has been one of your better options with a 620 ERA. Owner Strickland, Art Warren, Revier Simmar, not a lot of faith in these guys for the Atlanta Braves. It has been a bullpen that has been a little bit better, but they're currently dealing with Kenley Jansen being on the injured list, so that means that Silvino Barranco is now up at the big league level. That's not necessarily a guy that you want to be trusting in Darren O'Day along with Will Smith. They've been a little bit suspect. Jackson Stevens, after he he wound up having a relatively good start to the season. He's regressed a little bit. 5.87 ERA over the last three days for him. So I do think that the Atlanta Braves should be a little bit of a favorite. But now getting right around a plus 150 on the Reds. I'm going to be willing to nibble here. I'm with the Reds. It's been a very high scoring ballpark out there at the Great American Ballpark. It has been yielding a whole bunch of runs. 
Some might total at a 9.7. I think that Strider going to give up some walks here, and he's going to be knocked out of this game early. So looking at the over and looking at the red legs, 959-960 on the bank board. The Slam Diego Padres are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the LA Dodgers. Tyler Anderson is going to be going for the Dodgers, and you Darvish is going to be on the bump for the Padres. And the Padres, they are finding themselves underdogs in this spot. You're going to be getting them anywhere between about a plus 122 to a plus 130. Meanwhile, if you're looking at LA, it is anywhere between minus 138 and minus 145, 7.5 is your total, under is minus 120, and the over is even. I did wind up saying this total at a 7.7, so I'm going to be looking at an over. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Tyler Anderson, but what I think is so key when it comes to gauging you, Darvish, is taking a look at his home and road splits. Ever since he wound up getting to San Diego, his home ERA is a little bit below 3, but his road ERA is above a 525. That is a big, giant discrepancy, and he's backed up by a bullpen that I'm going to say it's not great. It's not terrible. Taylor Rogers has been able to give you 20-plus saves. Louis Garcia has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Nabel Crisman, when needed, he's able to give you multiple innings. He's able to hold down the fort, but got a couple guys that are shaky. Craig Salmon has been able to pick it up a little bit, but he's been a bit hot and cold this season. You've also got someone like a Tim Hill who's been dropping his ERA recently, but it's north of a 4-5. Ray Kerr, not a lot of faith in him, and for the LA Dodgers, it's been a case of which this bullpen has been in the top three in the National League all season long in terms of ERA, but it's really been the guys that you wouldn't expect. Guys like Yancey Almonte, Alex Vasilla, Evan Phillips, even Reyes Maranta, who's fresh off the injured list. These guys have been solid. Meanwhile, Craig Kimbrell, someone of four ERA. Bursada Gradrol hasn't been too terrific, and for Tyler Anderson, it's been intriguing to take a look at him because he's currently got an 8-1 record, 297 home ERA, 346 ERA on the road. What he's done a, just a tremendous job of is not giving up walks. Right around 1.5 walks per 9 innings, about a home run per 9 innings, 0.9 home runs per 9, so he's been able to do a nice job holding down the fourth there, but a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy, someone that's giving you right around 7 half strikeouts per 9 innings, and you take a look at this LA Dodgers lineup, and it is a little bit I shall say, down right now because Mookie Betts has been out of the fold for so long, but you still have Trey Turner along Freddie Freeman hitting above a 300 at the top. Will Smith has been able to figure it out. He's hitting about a 260, but take a look at what they wanted trotting out there just yesterday. You've got guys like a Trace Thompson, Cody Bellinger, Austin Barnes, Justin Turner, only a 230 or lower, and for Turner, he wound up having a multi-home run game earlier in the series, and he's still at that mark, and with the San Diego Padres getting back Manny Machado absolutely massive a few days ago. Seems like he's going to be a little bit more of an off-and-on player as he did not wind up getting the start yesterday, but just having him back in the fold, that is big. You do have Noah Mazar hitting above 300. Eric Cosmer is able to 275, but you need more of these guys like Austin Nola, Luke Voigt, Jerickson Profar, Jake Cronenworth. These guys, they're between about a 230 to about a 245-ish to be able to step up, and nobody outside of Manny Machado has been able to give you a double-digit amount of formers this season. I do think that those home and road splits, when it comes to you, Darvish, very big, and as a result, I did wind up saying the Dodgers at a minus 158 favorite. I don't necessarily want to run line here with the Dodgers, especially with them being at home and especially the offense being down, but I do think that they are going to be able to get to you, Darvish. Someone who's had some command issues when he has been on the road, so this is a spot in which the 7F, I'm going to be taking a look at the over on, and with the Dodgers, want to lay a little bit north of minus 150. With them, 961, 962 on the bang board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Colorado Rockies. 
Austin Gumber is going to be going for the Rockies. And Ellis Keuchel is going to be on the bump for Arizona. Arizona's find themselves anywhere between a plus 120 to a plus 130 underdog. Meanwhile, with Gumber and company, it's anywhere between minus 138 and minus 145. 12 is your total. The over and the under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. It is not often I want up taking these 12 plus totals over when it comes to Colorado. This is one that I'm going to be taking the over on because Dallas Keuchel has been absolute garbage. He's got an 831 ERA, and, well, that's in his first start with the Arizona Diamondbacks. If you take a look at him overall this season, oh, it comes down to a 793. So, have no fear there. Nine starts as far this season. He's given up right around one and a half home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is hovering in the neighborhood of six. He winds up getting right around six, six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. But, and this guy is just giving up contact upon contact. Opponents are hitting a 340 off of him this season. This is a former Cy Young Award winner, and it's just sad to watch him at this point. Meanwhile, for Austin Gomber, last season he was magic at home, and he was terrible on the road. This year he's been bad at home, and he's been bad on the road. 668 home ERA, 642 road ERA. Now, we did have Holden Kushner on the podcast yesterday, and he did point out that the Rockies bullpen over the last three and a half weeks, they've been posting up a sub 3-5 ERA. They've been a little bit more respectable, and they might need him in this spot, because with Gomber, he's given up right in the neighborhood about three walks per nine innings. He gets right around seven punch outs per nine, but also is giving up in the neighborhood about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. Guys like a Lucas Gilbreth have been much better at home than on the road. Daniel Bard has been very good in this bullpen as well. He's been posting up an ERA right around at two now. They're going to be without Tyler Kinley for the remainder of the season, but got a little bit more faith in them than the Arizona Diamondbacks. As the Diamondbacks, they do have a couple guys they're able to rely upon as Kyle Nelson has been a solid player out there in the bullpen along Sean Poppin. Both of these guys have a sub-3 ERA along Joe Manette-Tipley, but take a look at guys like a J.B. Wendelkin, Caleb Smith, Noe Ramirez. These guys with north of four ERAs, not a lot of trusting in them. Now with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they do a good job of being able to go yard when they're on the road, even prior to this series. They were getting right around 1.45 home runs per game on the road. Meanwhile, right around 0.8 home runs per game at home. It's been a very stark differential, and you do have guys that are starting to get on base for the team as Josh Ross, Alec Thomas, Ketel Marte of the Marte Parte. All these guys are hitting above a 250 Christian Walker. Not necessarily a guy that's hitting for average, but 19 home runs thus far this season. Buddy Kennedy wound up having a grand slam on Father's Day. Really, other than that, hasn't done a lot, but a little bit of upside there. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is a bunch that they hit right around a 275 to a 280 at home, uh, right around a 240 on the road. And what is really big with them is power numbers. Coming into the series, about 1.25 home runs per game at home. A half a home run per game on the road. CJ Chrome, for instance. 13 home runs at home this season, just four on the road. Brendan Rodgers has seven home runs. They've all come at home. So you've got some big, stark differentials there. I do think that the Rockies are going to light Dallas Keuchel ablaze in this spot. Did what I'm saying, Mitchell, at 12.1, it's really hard to wind up setting a total much higher than this because even if Dallas Keuchel winds up giving up a whole bunch of runs, well, the bullpen pieces are actually probably a little bit more trustworthy than him. So here at 12, I'm going to be taking a look at an overround with the Rockies. One to lay up to a minus 160 with them. Don't necessarily so you want the run line with the way that Gomber has been pitching, but looking at the Rockies, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. Now we wind up hitting the first of now two double dips as, as I started this podcast, the Yankees and the Guardians. It's become a double dip as well, but we're going to be starting with Rays versus Blue Jays, 963-964. Going to be in conjecture with 973-974 as you've got Shane McClanahan on the bump for Game 1 for the Rays and Kevin Gosman on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays in Game 1. Neither of these games have numbers currently up on the board, and I'm going to just hit the first game first, and then the second game I'll do by itself. But with that said, with McClanahan versus Kevin Gosman, I wanted to send Gosman as 
a minus 120 favorite and a total of a 7.2, so 7 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at an over 7.5 or higher. I'd be taking a look at an under. It's going to be an early game after. These two teams did wind up playing a day game yesterday because it was Canada Day, but both of these pitchers have been lights out. Kevin Gosman has a fielding independent that is right around a buck 75, despite his ERA being a 293. He's given up two home runs at 86 innings. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there, but 10 strikeouts per nine innings, right around 1.5, 1.6 walks per nine. He has been terrific. Shane McClanahan, he's actually been unlucky on the balls that have been put in play on him, and he's got a buck 70, 70 ERA, giving up 1.1 home runs per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate is north of 12, one and a half walks per nine innings. He's not giving up a lot of contact in general fewer than six walks per nine innings. Both of these guys have been lights out. Both of these guys have been stellar. The one thing with the Tampa Bay Rays is that they just aren't backed up by the same lineup that you've got with the Toronto Blue Jays as you do have Yandy Diaz, G-Man Choi, a pair of guys that will be able to get on base right around at 375 to a 390 on base for both of these gentlemen. You do now have Wander Franco back in the fold. That's big for them as Wander has been hitting right around at 260. He's got a little bit of pop in the bat and Harold Ramirez hitting above a 300. You also do have Kevin Kiermaier. I know that he blamed himself a little bit for the loss yesterday for not being able to field a ball, but with that said, he's been able to give you a couple home runs, but got guys like Rene Pinto, Taylor the walls, Brett Phillips, Josh Lowe at the bottom of the fold hitting a buck 80 or lower, and you just don't have that with the Toronto Blue Jays as Boba Shed, George Springer, Flagger Jr. at the top, laying between about a 255 to a 262. All these guys at double digit amount of bombs, including Flagger Jr. hitting 18 thus far this season. Alejandro Kirk, north of a 400 on base. I don't know if he's going to be able to necessarily maintain this, but he has been terrific. You've got Santiago Espino, Rami Altapia, along to Oscar Hernandez, laying between about a 262 to 270, but for Hernandez, he has been hitting a 325 over the last three days as well. Now, the issue that you've got with the bullpen as well of the Toronto Blue Jays is that, well, it's just not very good. Jordan Romano has actually not been a terrible closer for this team. Got an ERA that hovers right around the 290 range, but Adam Simber has seen his ERA climbed uh, right around a 3.6. He's in the same fold as Trent Thornton right now. Tim Hayes has been able to do a relatively okay job thus far this season, but he's starting to see a little bit of regression. Jeremy Beasley, when he's been out there, has been absolutely terrible. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they are missing a couple of their normal bullpen pieces because of the COVID-19 mandate that you've got in the country of Canada. But with that said, you still have out there guys that you're able to rely upon, like a Jason Adam, who's got a sub-2 ERA. Matt Weisler has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Colin Pooch has been doing a solid job. Brooks Raley as well. So you do have still guys that you're able to rely upon. And Phoenix Sanders, I think, might be in line for some innings a little bit later in Game 2. But with that said, with Gosman, the way that he's able to perform and having the better lineup in general with the Blue Jays, do wind up making this to where a 7 or less, looking at an over 7.5 prior to the under end. The Blue Jays a minus 120 favorite. And then when it comes to 973-974, this is going to be Rays versus Blue Jays with Thomas Hatch going for the Blue Jays. And Drew Rasmussen is going to be on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. And it's going to be very fascinating to see what we wind up getting out of Drew Rasmussen as this is going to be his first start in quite a while as he was dealing with a hamstring issue. His last start wound up coming on the 10th of June. And prior to him going on the injured list, he was starting to see a little bit of regression ever since he was added to the rotation for the Tampa Bay Rays. Really up until his last few starts, he was doing a very good job for the team, but wound up giving up three plus runs in three out of his last four starts. So you were starting to see a little bit of regression there. Didn't wind up having a whole bunch of rehab appearances or anything like that. He did wind up throwing a few simulated games. So that wound up 
being the way that he wound up ramping back up for this spot, and I don't know if I can necessarily trust it. I do think that it's going to be a case in which, because he actually did wind up beginning his career out there in the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen, that they're going to need to try to just limber him up a little bit. This could be like a three to four inning sort of appearance, and then you wind up passing it off to a bullpen that has been relatively solid, but once again, you're also going to be now relying upon these bats that at the bottom of the fold, you've got a bunch of dead bats like Vidal Brujan, so has been not necessarily so great, and then Diego like Thomas Hatch. Not necessarily been going well for him at the minor league level thus far this season. It's not a case in which the command hasn't been there. As he only gives up right around 2.7 walks per nine innings, but his swing and miss stuff this year has been a little bit down. A 5.12 ERA overall for Toronto in their minor league system. I do think that this is going to be a case in which he's only going to be able to line a couple innings, and then you do wind up getting into some of the long guys. So I will say someone like a Matt Gage has been able to do a solid job. I would not be surprised if someone like a Max Castillo winds up seeing some as well for this team. I think that Thomas Ash really going to be out there trying to be able to end like three, maybe four innings, and then you wind up seeing him bow out of the fold. So I do think that you've got a pair of guys that they're not going to be able to give great starts. I don't think that they're going to be giving a lot of length whatsoever. So this is five, which Hatch against Rasmussen. I'm going to trust in the race. Bullpen being able to do a little bit of a better job, but I'm going to trust in the better lineup as a whole. Want to make him the Blue Jays minus 117 on the money line and stark difference with regards to the total. I set mine at a 10.2 in this game. So three points higher than McClanahan versus Gosman. So at a 10 or less, I'd be looking at an over 10 and a half higher to the under. So we've got relatively similar money lines, very stark differences when it comes to the total. As we go to 965-966 on the main board, the Baltimore Orioles, they're going to be facing off against the Minnesota Twins as Sonny Gray is going to be on the bump for the Twinkies. And you've got Jordan Lyles, who is going to be on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is finding themselves as a very sizable underdog in this spot. Anywhere between a plus 180, seeing as high as plus 210. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Minnesota, it's anywhere between minus 210 and minus 235 with your total 9. The 9 has underjuice anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And this is going to be our DK Nation pick. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total under with Jordan Lyles. He's been able to do a better job of being able to limit the deep ball. Now, you do have a little bit of fear with Jordan Lyles being on the road because this has been a man that has been giving up the deep ball when he has been away from Baltimore this season. As a matter of fact, he's given up 11 home runs thus far this season. All 11 of them have come on the road. I think that he's just been a little bit unlucky in general at, on the road and at home. He has been very, very lucky, to say the least. 284 is what opponents are hanging off of him in general. And it's been a case in which he's been a little bit better thus far this season. His walks per nine rate, that ever's in the pocket about three. And the big thing for the Baltimore Orioles and the reason why they have been a relatively solid under team thus far this season is that the bullpen has been lights out. They are in the top seven of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. So even if Jordan Lyles does wind up having a couple balls fly over the fence on him, you've got Felix Batista, Cino Perez. You're able to throw in there Ode Lopez and Dylan Tate. All guys that entered into the series with a two ERA or lower. And then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins and Sonny Gray has been absolutely magnificent for this team. The problem has been health with him, but he is healthy and he is firing all cylinders. A 217 ERA, 10 starts as far this season. He's been only averaging right around five innings to start, but he's now limbered up. He's been able to get a couple starts under his belt. He's given up just four home runs. His walks per nine rate, it is hovering in the neighborhood about two. Opponents are a 202 off of him. Bullpen that's 
Lucas backing him up. Not necessarily great, not necessarily terrible. Yohan Duran, he currently leads the big leagues in terms of pitches thrown at 100 plus miles per hour. They get Wamanaya back from the injured list. Giovanni Moran, along with Griffin Jacks, have been able to give you some good innings. You want to be avoiding Emilio Pagan and Caleb Theobar, but this is also a Minnesota Twins team that they play in a pitcher friendly ballpark now. They still have been able to crank out the deep balls. You've got Byron Buxton, who's been able to give this team 20 home runs. He has been absolutely incredible with that regard. And Luis Arias, very good table setters. 422 on base. Carlos Correa is hitting at 305. And then you've got a lot of guys sort of hitting in that pocket about a 240 to up to a 255 with Gio Rochelle, but most of these guys hitting more on about a 245 like Jose Miranda, Ore Palanco, Max Kepler, Alex Kurloff, guys like this. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, not necessarily a lot of firepower when it comes to the team. You do have a couple guys that will be able to give you a couple of double-digit bound of home runs as Anthony Sandander, Austin Say's kid, Ryan Mountcastle, all between 11 and 14 home runs. And for Hayes and Mountcastle, these two guys hanging right in the neighborhood about a 275. You got that with Trey Boo Boo Mancini as well, but he's been missing for a few days. And you've got a bottom of the fold for the Baltimore Orioles. That's not necessarily too terrific as Jonathan Arus, along with Rune Odor, Adelie Rushman, Ore Mateo, whenever he's been out there, Calvin Gutierrez. These guys hitting at 220 or lower. That has been hurting them a little bit. So I do think that you're going to be in for a little bit of a lower scoring game. I do think that Sonny Gray should be a relatively sizable favorite. I think that we've gotten up a little bit too loft here. I was willing to take a plus 195 or greater with Baltimore. We're now up to north of $2. And if you're taking a look at the run line of the Minnesota Twins, you're finding it anywhere between even money and minus 105. But this is also an Orioles team that because of their bullpen, they've been one of the best, if not the best, run line teams in all of baseball. So I was actually needing a plus price to be able to take a shot on the Twins on the run line. So this is fine in which I'm going to be taking the massive Mondo number with the Baltimore Orioles and with the DK Nation pick, looking at the under semi-total at 8.3, 967, 968 on the betting board. You've got the Detroit Tigers. They're going to be playing with the Kansas City Royals. Brady Singer is going to be on the bump for the Royals. And Bo Brisky is going to be on the bump for the Tigres. This was... I think supposed to be Alex Fiedo at first, so this is a game that was on the board, and now it's been lifted off the board, but when it was on the board initially, the Kansas City Royals were finding themselves right around a minus 113 to a minus 120, and then you're finding the Detroit Tigers any between even money and plus 103 with a total of 8.5 with the over and under juice varying a little bit. With that said, if we do wind up getting similar numbers here, I'd be willing to take the Royals. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 125 in this spot with Kansas City. I did wind up making my total 8, so I had an 8.5. I will be looking at an under now with Bo Brisky. He has been someone that has been doing for some regression for a very long time. His ERA and his overall numbers, they just don't match up. This is someone that's giving up over two home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is three. He doesn't get a lot of swings and misses with right around six punch outs per nine innings. And yet he's got a 455 ERA. This should be north of six, if you ask me, because Bo Brisky is just not that good. And for Brady Singer, he's actually been able to do a relatively solid job ever since he wanted coming back from the minor league level. Month of June was not necessarily too polite to him. May was a very good month for him, but I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in against a Detroit Tigers offense that, I'm going to call it what it is, they're dead last in terms of runs per game this season as you're able to go down the line. Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Javi Baez, Robbie Grossman, Spencer Torkelson. How about if we wind up throwing in there Cody Clements, Eric Haas, all these guys, Tucker Barnard hitting at 220 or lower. It has been putrid. Now, you've got Miguel Cabrera hitting above a 300, but right now, Javi Baez in his seven home runs. That's currently leading the way for the team. Riley Green is able to get on base. He and Willie Cass are hitting between about a 262 and 270 and 
You do take a look at the Kansas City Royals, and got a little bit of firepower with the CMS. Andrew Benintendi, he's been able to above a 300. Bobby Wood Jr., over the last three days, he's hitting above a 260. You've had Hunter Dozier, he'll give you eight home runs, hitting about a 255. Michael A. Taylor has been okay, but then you take a look at MJ Melendez, Kyle Isbell, Nicky Lopez, guys like this, marrying him right around at 225 at Whitmer Airfield, just above that at a 230. Not necessarily been too terrific for the Tigers, even though Bobrisky might wind up getting lit up in this game. They do have a top eight bullpen in terms of VRA. Gregory Soto has been an amazing closer for this team. Willie Peralta, along with Michael Fulmer, a pair of failed starters. They're giving you right around 250 ERA. Ever since Tyler Alexander has come off the injured list, he's been used as a long reliever, and in his eight innings as a long reliever thus far, he's given up just one run, so he's been able to acclimate to that role. And then with Kansas City Royals, it's been a bullpen that has been just outright terrible. You currently have Josh Shamon, who's currently on the injured list. Jose Cuas has actually been halfway decent along Scott Barlow, both of these guys, posting up a 225 ERA or better, but Jackson Coar is now becoming your long guy. Wyatt Mills, someone that just could not wind up giving the Seattle Mariners a lot of good innings. He's in the fold. Amir Garrett has been posting up a 60 ERA, so you don't have a lot of redeeming qualities there, but I do think that Mr. Brady Singer and the way that he's been able to get swings and misses this year, right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, he's going to be able to rate it. It has been giving up right around one and a half home runs per nine innings for Mr. Singer, but Bucks per nine rate is sub two and going up against the Detroit Tigers and in this ballpark of Detroit that is very pitcher friendly, that's going to be favorable for him. So one to lay up to a minus 125 with the Kansas City Royals and I set my total at eight, so if we wind up getting the eight and a half that we were seeing a little bit earlier, going to be taking to look at the under as we go to 969-970 on the betting board, the Houston Astros. They're going to be playing us the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Angels, and Jose Arikidi is on the bump for Houston. Houston is finding themselves anywhere between minus 122 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at LA, anywhere between plus 112 and plus 120 is your price. 8.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between minus... 115 and even money and with Houston I did wind up saying them a little bit of a sizable favorite here I want to making them more around a minus 142 in this spot so I'm going to be willing to lay it Jose Arikidi as well he's been able to do his best work at home and Jose Arikidi he's not going to put guys on cheaply gives up right around 2.2 to 2.3 walks per nine innings, so you feel good about that. And for Patrick Sandoval, it's honestly been the opposite because Patrick Sandoval's main bugaboo is the walks, right around 4.2 walks per nine innings, but he doesn't give up the deep ball. Three home runs give up up in 65 innings. Meanwhile, Jose Arikidi, right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings surrendered as he's been giving up a lot of contact in general. Nearly 11 hits per nine innings for Mr. Jose Arikidi, not much of a swing and miss guy. Meanwhile, Patrick Sandoval, he's able to give you nine strikeouts per nine innings, but with the Astros back up, Mr. Jose Arikidi with is a bullpen that is is right there with the New York Yankees as the top open in terms of ERA this season. You've had Rafael Montero post up a sub-2 ERA. Ryan Stanek going into Friday, a 0.69 ERA. Brian Abreu, he's been able to post up right around a 2.30 ERA. Ryan Presley is a good closer. And then for the LA Angels, you've got Ryan Tapera, Rossiel Iglesias, and Aaron Loop. Your 7th through ninth inning guys all posting up a 3.50 ERA or higher. I mean, it's been guys like Jose Quijada who have been the best closers slash relief arms for the team. And you do take a look at the LA Angels. You do have a quadrant of guys who have been able to give you a double-digit amount of formers. Jared Walsh, Shoy Otani, Mike Trout, and Taylor Ward. And Ward has been able to give you 400 on base. So it's coming off the injury list. Hasn't necessarily been the same. But, I mean, Shoy Otani, 18 home runs, hitting at 270. That's been solid. Jared Walsh, he's hitting at 260, 13 bombs. And Mike Trout, north of 20 home runs, 385 on base. That's been terrific. But you do take a look at the bottom of the fold. Taylor Wade, Max Sassy, Andrew Vasquez, guys like this. They're hitting at 225 or lower. And for the Houston Astros, you do have a couple dead bats in this lineup as well. 
guys like Jose Siri, Chaz McCormick, they haven't been able to do a lot. J.J. Matevich, along with the entire catcher spot in general for Houston. But a big reason why, right around two-thirds of their games, have wound up going under the total. Now, good news for Houston is that they wind up getting back Jeremy Pena on Friday. He's hitting a 275. Jose Altuve hitting more like a 265 double-digit amount of homers for him. That has been terrific. And Alex Bregman has really been able to pick it up. 360 on base. Only nine home runs thus far this season, but hitting a 390 in the last 15 days. So he's starting to find his groove. We typically see that with Alex Bregman's slow start. Good finish in his season, but missing Jordan Alvarez north of 20 home runs at a 400 base. That does wind up hurting Houston a little bit, but still willing to set them as a minus 142 favorite. And I don't think that the loss of Alvarez has been taken into account with this total enough. Houston has been a money-making machine if you've been taking the under, and I'm going to be riding it once again. Set my total at 8.2, so you're at the 8.5. Going to be diving under with Houston. One to lay up to a minus 142 on them. 971, 72 on the main board. The Oakland A's hit the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Says George Kirby is going to be on the bump for Seattle. And Paul Blackburn walks the blank for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves in between plus 140 and plus 162. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Seattle, saying between minus 165 and minus 175, seven and a half is your total. The over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I'm saying my total at a 7.8. George Kirby did wind up getting figured out a little bit more in his last Saturday. It's going up against someone in Paul Blackburn that has actually been a mess on the road, but I think that he's doing for a little bit of regression. He's got a 587 home ERA compared to a buck 44 ERA on the road, and Oakland is typically known as one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks, especially during the nighttime, and that's where a lot of starts have wound up coming through, and for Paul Blackburn, seven home runs surrendered over the course of 80 and two-thirds innings thus far this season, even though he's a very much a pitcher contact guy. Paul Blackburn right around 6.9 to the seven straight cuts per nine innings, but opponents are just a 244 off of him, 286 when he's at home, 214 on the road. I do think that there's going to be some negative regression there, and for George Kirby, he wound up getting completely destroyed in his last start against Baltimore, giving up seven runs in total, four bombs over the course of four innings. That's not necessarily too terrific. Now, with George Kirby, he's not going to put anyone on cheaply. Right around 1.1 walks per nine innings, and he gets swings and misses. A little bit over eight strikeouts per nine innings. He's actually been significantly worse at home than on the road, though. 554, home 267, road ERA. If you listen back to what I wound up talking about with Holden Kushner yesterday, you're going to find that these West Coast ballparks, they play a little bit differently during the daytime than the nighttime with the way that the ball winds up flying in. This is going to be a daytime game out there in Seattle, and for the Mariners, you do have guys that are able to get on base for this team, as J.P. Crawford has been in quite an almighty funk, but he's still been able to right around a 265 for the team, and then Sam Agerty along with Julio Rodriguez, are in between about a 270 to a 275, and for Rodriguez, 19 stolen bases, 13 home runs. He has been terrific. Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez, Adam Frazier, you expected a little bit more on them, in between about a 220 to a 235, but Suarez, right around 325 on base, 13 home runs for him. They picked up Carlos Santana off the scrappy hoping that he's going to be able to give the team a little bit of something, but he, Abraham Toro, Dylan Moore, guys like an Austin Knapp, they're hitting a 215 or lower, and then you take a look at the Oakland A's. In their starting lineup, they did not wind up having anyone that entered in the game with a batting average above a 250. I mean, it's just absolutely deplorable at this point. You've got one guy in Seth Brown that's been able to give you more than eight home runs thus far this season. Ramon Laureano's been able to give you a little bit of an on-base percentage, and they have been able to get Steven Piscotti back in the fold a little bit more. Chad Pinder has been able to give you some quality at-bats as well, but with the Oakland A's, you also have your question marks when it comes to this bullpen. It was actually very good to begin the season, and you've still got Sam Puck along AJ Ball posting up a sub three ERA, but Domingo Acevedo spent a little bit up and down. Zach Jackson, these two guys, they have between about a 342 and 375 ERA, but Lou Trevino, north of a seven ERA. You just have not been able to get a lot out of the random long guys that you've been bringing up, like an Adam 
Aller and company. Sam Selman, a 450 ERA for the Seattle Mariners. League average ERA. Out of 30 teams entering into Friday, they were 15th in terms of bullpen ERA. You were expecting Ryan Drew's second rider around getting DFA'd, but Ben Murphy has been a pleasant surprise. He and Eric Swanson, sub two ERAs for both of these gentlemen. And Diego Castillo still has a 482 ERA overall for the season, but last three days, 11 appearances, he's got a buck 50 ERA. So he's been able to rein it in a little bit more with that regard, but I do think that a daytime game out there in Seattle is going to be yielding quite a few runs, and I do think that the Mariners should be a relatively sizable favorite. Blackburn has shown to be, though, a little bit better on the road than at home, and I think that George Kirby is starting to get figured out a little bit more. I think that that start against the Orioles, a little bit of a worry spot. I was willing to take a plus 157 or greater with Oakland. Seeing them at right around a plus 160, I'm going to be willing to take a shot here to go along with a 7.5 over as well. 973, 974 was part of that. Toronto versus Tampa Bay Rays double dip, so we go to the other double dip between the Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians. 975-976 is going to be Nestor Cortez against Tristan McKenzie. That is actually going to be the late game as the early game. It's going to be the game that wound up getting washed out on Friday between Garrett Cole and what we expect to be as Aaron Savali has yet to be confirmed as I wind up doing this podcast, but I would be very surprised if it's anything different. I'll actually do that game second because that's going to be at the bottom of the betting board, but with that said, with Nestor Cortez and Tristan McKenzie, we've got hard numbers on this game, 975-976. Cortez finding himself a minus 150 favorite, plus 130 to plus 140 is your price on the Cleveland Guardians. It is your total, and the juice is all over the place. Over and under, anywhere between even money and minus 120 on the over and the under on 8, and I do mind saying the Yankees here at a minus 166. I was pretty much willing to take even money or better on the run line. Currently seeing that at right around a plus 110. I would rather personally take the money line in this spot because Tristan McKenzie has been able to do a relatively solid job when it comes to this Cleveland Guardians rotation, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is now going to be a little bit more rested, which is really going to be helping out both of these teams because both of these bunches, they were really going through it. They were both really trying to fight away and try to just give themselves a little bit of something, but with that said, you do take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of both of these squads, and I do think that it's going to be a display of good bullpen pitching with the Cleveland Guardians, Manuel Classe. It's one of the best out there in the league. Eli Morgan, same hentages, pair of failed starters. Maybe they will give you a sub-3 ERA. Brian Shaw's been a little bit tough, but Enyo De Los Santos right around a 3 ERA himself, and then for the New York Yankees, Ron Metanakio has been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. Wandy Peralta has been solid. You've got Michael King who's able to give you multiple innings and then Clay Holmes a 0-49 ERA this far this season and, and the offense that they're going up against the Cleveland Guardians they don't necessarily have a lot of pop in the bat especially at home they've been averaging right around 0.6 home runs per games when they have been at home with that said with the Cleveland Guardians they've had a pair of walk-off home runs at home recently, and you do have one guy, Jose Ramirez, who I feel like deserves some recognition for the MVP award. He's been able to give the team 16 home runs. He's hitting a 300, but on top of that, you've got Andres Jimenez, who's been able to hit a 300, and then you've got a trio of guys, Oscar Gonzalez, Amit Rosario, Stephen Kwan, all in that 385-ish pocket, and then Ronald Pelosios, along Josh Naylor. These guys are in about a 260 Owen Miller. He's been able to get on base as well. Obviously, you've got a Yankees team that is just locked and loaded in terms of their firepower. Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo have a combined 50 home runs thus far this season. I think that that's like 9 or 10 more than the Detroit Tigers have as a team. It's been absolutely ridiculous, and 
lot of these shots when you're not solo home runs because you've got guys behind them. They may be able to get on base as Marwin Gonzalez, Matt Carpenter, Isaiah Canera Falefa, Jose Trevino, DJ LeMayu. All in between about a 250 to 263 with Glaber Torres and John Carlos Sain right in that pocket about a 248 to 250. Stan, he's been able to give you 19 home runs thus far this season. So these guys have been rock solid. But you do take a look at what we are going to be expecting for the Nestor Cortez versus Tristan McKenzie start, assuming that we do wind up getting these two guys. I do think that Cortez is going to be on his game in this one. He has just been so nasty with the way that he's been able to get swinging and miss stuff. I do wonder if the manipulation that he's been doing with the timing and everything like that, if that is going to be catching up with him. And he hasn't necessarily been the same on the road as at home. 303 road ERA, 201 home ERA, but he's been able to do a nice job being able to get a strikeout per nine rate right around 10 fear that you wind up having with them is the home run ball, but Cleveland, they have been able to do a great job of being able to crank it out upon a starting a 203 off of them, and then when it comes to Tristan McKenzie, it's been able to do a great job of being able to lock in in terms of walks. Right around 2.3 walks per 990. He actually got sent down to the minor leagues because his command was so bad last season. Has been giving up right around about a 4-ish ERA. Swing and stuff is on a little bit this season, and he's actually been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road, though. In his starts, you've seen nine of them come on the road, just four at home, so it's been a relatively small sample size. I do think that he's going to be able to rein in a little bit more with that regard. So this is a spot in which if we do wind up getting the total that we wind up having a little bit earlier, I'd be taking a look at the under. I wound up saying this at a 7.7 when we wind up seeing this up in a lot of spots. We were seeing it more around an 8, and I would be willing to lay up to about a minus 165 on the Yankees. And if we do wind up getting similar numbers to Cole versus Savali that we wound up having when the game was taken off the board on Friday, which was the Yankees being right around a minus 220 to a minus 240 favorite. And with the Guardians, you were getting them as low as a plus 190, size a plus 205. I'd be willing to take a shot on the Cleveland Guardians. I'm willing to take the Guardians at a plus 190 or greater. I actually did wind up making this minus 177 initially. I did wind up giving back about 10 cents to the Yankees just because of the travel spot that they were in, having to go from home to Houston, and then to Cleveland. That did wind up throwing a little bit of a wrench into things, so I did wind up giving a little bit back on New York, but with that said, Garrett Cole, he has actually been one of the lesser starters for the New York Yankees thus far this season, and has had a couple of road struggles this season, and for Aaron Savali, 725 ERA, but a fielding independent, more around a 450. He wound up getting incredibly lucky last season. He's been getting incredibly unlucky this season, and for Aaron Savali, he's up to nearly nine strikeouts per nine, and he's walks per nine rate of three, not necessarily ideal for him, and He's just been a guy that has been giving up a lot of contact in general. Opponents staring north of a 275 off of him and for Garrett Cole in his last five starts. Four in which he's given up one earner fewer. He just seems to have that one blow-up start about a, every month-ish as he wound up giving up seven runs on seven outs against the Minnesota Twins and everything else was absolutely sterling. But take a look like at Cole for the year. 393 road ERA, 231 home ERA. He has been giving up the deep ball. 1.2 home runs per nine innings. Command has been there right around 2.4 walks per nine with 11.5 punch outs per nine innings. So I still think that Cole should be a relatively sizable favorite, but getting nearly $2 on the Cleveland Guardians, that is calling my name. And I did wind up saying my number for Cole versus Savali in terms of the total at an 8.3 when this went off the board. It was 8 with juice on the over at the 8. I still will be taking a look at an over in this spot as well. So hopefully I kept that as clean as I could for you. So now we've got more of our normal games to wrap things up. 977, 978 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants are going to be playing with the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease is going to be going for the Sox and we've got Logan Webb on the bump for San Francisco. San Francisco find themselves anywhere between minus 128 and minus 140. Meanwhile, with the Southsiders, any routine plus 115 and plus 130 is your price. 7 to 7 half is your total on the 7 half. Under is minus 125. The over is plus 105 on the 7. Over is minus 120. Under is even. And I did wind up setting my total at a 7.2. So 
I would rather personally wind up having a 7 over rather than a 7.5 under because you take a look at this bullpen of the Chicago White Sox and it's currently not good. Liam Hendricks dealing with an injury. Kendall Graben has been relatively trustworthy, but he's really the only guy that you can have a lot of faith in in this bullpen. Joe Kelly has been absolutely terrible this year. He's got north of an 80 ERA. Vince Velasquez has actually been halfway decent out there in the bullpen to his credit. Jose Ruiz, he's been able to drop his ERA, but that's still hovering right around a 425. Ronaldo Lopez has been okay, but I still think that he should be a starter when it's all said and done. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the San Francisco Giants team. And Logan Webb, he has been absolutely incredible for this bunch of way that he has been able to come out this season and has been able to pitch at home. And really, ever since the beginning of last season, the San Francisco Giants have lost just once when he winds up pitching at home. This is across 19 total appearances. And for Logan Webb, he's just a different guy in San Francisco. 240 home area, 377 road area. For his six home runs surrendered this season, all six of them have wound up coming on the road. Opponents at home are hitting right around 253 off of them compared to a 215 on the road, and yet he still has these insane home and road splits, so I think that that's very telling now with the San Francisco Giants. The bullpen has been different this year than it was last season. Last season, with Buster Posey being able to call games, it was just a case which I feel like he was able to do a good job with a lot of these pieces, and they're still trying to acclimate to life without him, but you have been able to notice quite a few guys being able to rein it in a little bit more. Camilo Duvall, Dominique Leon, Geraldine Garcia, they've got a 3-2 ERA or better. Jake McGee has been a hot mess for the same in Junior Marte. Not a guy that you can have a lot of faith in, 460 ERA, but John Brebbia, he's been able to post up right around a 280 ERA, and for the San Francisco Giants, they've been able to do a good job of mixing and matching when it comes to this offense, as this is a bunch that has been able to generate right around 4.7 runs per game at home, despite the fact that only one player on the team has been able to give you a double-digit amount of bombs. Now, that's Jack Peterson with 17 home runs. He has been terrific, but got a lot of guys that they do a good job of just moving the line. Austin wins. Mike Ustremski, Wilmer Flores, Lamonte Wade, all between about a 235 to a 245. You've been able to have even someone like a Joy Vossler be able to give you some good at-bats. Tommy LaSalle is hitting at 275 for this team as well. He spent a lot of the season injured, and I do think that Brandon Belt, who wound up averaging a 215 going into the Friday, is going to be able to pick it up. And for the Chicago White Sox, they do a significantly better job of being able to hit left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching against lefties. It's a bunch that is being able to hit it right around at 290, more like a 240 against right-handers. And for the Chicago White Sox, Doppelfold has been very good for the team, especially Mr. Jose Abreu. He's hitting right around a 340 over the last 30 days. Guy's been in fuego, but the bottom of the fold, guys like Reese McGuire, Lurie Garcia, Gavin Sheets, Yuan Makata, all these guys into 25 or lower AJ Pollock was starting to pick it up. Starting to regress once again. Now you do have Andrew Vaughn hitting above a 300. Tim Anderson, a 340. But you've got your concerns when it comes to the bullpen of the Chicago White Sox. And with Dylan Cease, it's going to be very important for him to be able to lend a lot of length as a result because he does sometimes knock himself early out of games because he gives up nearly four walks per nine innings. Swing and miss stuff is insane though. He's getting over 13 strikeouts per nine innings. He's only given up six home runs in his starts thus far this season across 80 plus innings. And he's actually been better on the road. Bucks of the six road ERA compared to a 304 home area, but the fear that you have with Dylan Cease is that he only winds up going five innings, and then all of a sudden, this trash bullpen that you've got with the Chicago White Sox just winds up getting completely destroyed. So, I did wind up making the San Francisco Giants minus 136 in the spot. Seeing a lot of minus 130, minus 135. I'm going to be willing to lay it, and with this total, at a 7.5, I would begin to take a look at it under, but if I had a choice between a 7 and a 7.5, I would rather take the 7 over in this spot. Personally, 979, 980 on the betting board. The New York Mets, they're going to be playing us to the Walker 
Texas Rangers as Marty Perez is going to be going for the Texas Rangers. It was looking like it was going to be David Peterson and then David Peterson wound up having a start yesterday. So as of right now, it is good old to be determined. This is a game that is off the board, but it is looking like we are most likely going to be getting a massive bullpen game as RJ Alvarez is right now listed on ESPN as being the starter. You want a king or called from the minor leagues. And if you're wondering who in the world is RJ Alvarez, well, I was wondering the same thing because he wound up spending the year at AAA and this is not a starter. This is someone that in his 20 appearances at the minor league level has won 25 innings. So hasn't done a bad job at the minor league level getting right around 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings, posting up a 249 ERA. But you've got to think that RJ Alvarez at tops is going to be going two innings in this game and it becomes a wholesale approach. You wind up trotting out there your guys that are able to give you multiple innings. Maybe someone like Adam Adovino winds up being able to come into this game. I was about to say Seth Lugo, but he wound up getting used up yesterday. So that's not necessarily too ideal for the New York Metropolitans. Adonis Medina, I've got to think it's going to be seeing a couple innings as well. I know that they've been trying to stretch him out. He's actually been halfway decent in his last few outings as he's allowed pretty much like two runs over the last month. So I will give him a little bit of credit there, but you got to figure that it's going to be a lot of long guys that are going to be seeing a lot of playing time for the Mets. And you do take a look at Martin Perez and we were expecting a little bit of regression with him. We wound up seeing it in his last start against the Kansas City Royals. Winds up giving up four runs over the course of six innings. And that was the second time in his last 13 starts that he's given up two plus runs. And I do think that we're going to see a little bit more of that moving forward. He's given up two home runs in 93 and a third innings. That's just not necessarily sustainable. He's getting right around 7.4 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, the big thing for Perez that I do think is a mainstay is the walks. From the 2018 to the 2020 season was giving up right around 3.8 walks per nine innings. This year, more like 2.2. And home and road splits, very equal. 230 road ERA, 214 home ERA. So I do think that Perez going to continue to have a solid season. I just don't think that he's going to be continuing to keep the ball in the yard the way that he has thus far this season, but this Texas lineup can be a little bit up and down, but you've got one guy in Adolis Garcia, who's been absolutely incredible for this bunch. He's been able to give the team nine home runs, hitting a 300 over the last 30 days. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, they need to pick it up a little bit, but Marcus Simeon has had a pair of home runs over the last five days. Now hitting a red run, about a 235 Corey Seager, 15 home runs, but only hitting a 225 Cole Calhoun is in that 240 pocket. You've also got another guy in Josh Smith who's getting jiggy with it right around 240 batting average for him as well. Nate Lowe has been able to get on base for the team but certainly has been up and down with regards to the Texas lineup and for the New York Mets it's a top five team in terms of batting average as you've got Mark Hanna, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte in between about a 272, 280, Luis Galorme, along Jeff McDeal. These guys have been able to hit a 300 grader and Pete Alonso. I mean how amazing has this guy been? He has been able to hit 285, 22 home runs Led the league in home runs per game on the road last season, but for the Texas Rangers, they also do back up Perez with a relatively solid bullpen. Brock Burke has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Joe Barlow has been able to give the team some very solid innings as well. Matt Moore has reformed himself as a reliever. Sub-250 ERA. Dennis Santana, a sub-2 ERA as well. So, I do think that the Mets should have a little bit of an upper hand. They've got a good home field advantage, and you've got Buck Showalter who does a great job of being able to maneuver things, and it's a bullpen that in general, for the New York Mets, it's not necessarily the world's greatest, but it's relatively solid. So this is a situation which I'm going to be setting the Mets as a minus 106 home, home favorite. So relative pick game with a slight edge to the Mets and an 8 or less. I'll be taking a look at it over as I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Perez and an 8.5 or higher to the under. We 
we wrap things up with 981, 982 on the betting board. You've got the Boston Red Sox. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Chicago Cubs. As Alec Mills is going to be on the bump for the Cubbies. And it is going to be Josh Winkowski who's going to be on the bump for Boston. And this is a game that has no total up on it currently as it is a game out there in regularly field. But with that said, we do have a money line price with the Boston Red Sox. You're finding that anywhere between a minus 135 to a minus 145. And if you're looking at the Cubbies, you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 115 and plus 132. And I did wind up setting the Red Sox at a minus 138. So at the bottom part of what we're seeing right now, right around about a minus 135 up to a minus 138, I'm going to be willing to lay it with the Boston Red Sox. And I did wind up setting my total at a 9.2, which means a 9 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at an over 9.5 or higher to the under as look at the win that we're going to be getting on Saturday. It's going to be a little bit more directional and it's going to be ranging between about 5 to 8 miles per hour. It's not going to play too much of a factor in my opinion. You always want to be taking a look at the win at Wrigley Field, which is why bookmakers do not wind up posting up a total until the AM typically with regards to these games unless if it's a very big game and you wind up having a lot more known quantities. But with that said, Josh Winkowski, he's been called up to the big leagues with a, was a part of that Andrew Benatendi deal and in four starts he's been able to do a relatively solid job. Gave up four runs in his first start against the Baltimore Orioles and ever since then he's been able to settle down. Over his last three starts he's been able to give the team a combined 17 innings giving up four runs. No homers in that time span and just three walks. Not much of a swing and miss guy. He's only been able to give you right around six strikeouts per nine innings but certainly has been able to come in, hold down the fort and has been solid and I cannot say the same for Alec Mills. A 987 ERA. Now what's interesting about Alec Mills is that just take a look at him throughout his career. He's been so much better in a starting role rather than a relief role. You can't take anything from these splits, by the way. He has a home ERA of a 33.75 and a 7.88 ERA on the road. This is because he's pitched 1.1 innings at home thus far this season. So we have to go back to 2021 with Alec Mills. He wound up posting up an ERA that was dead equal. Home to road. 507 home ERA. 506 road ERA. Someone that is going to be giving up the deep ball right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings given up last season. And this is a Chicago Cubs bunch up behind him with regards to the bats. They do a good job of being able to get on base. Patrick Wisdom, Wilson Contreras, they've been able to combine for 29 home runs this season. Now you do have a guy in Wisdom that is currently on base for 200 strikeouts, but you've got guys that are able to get on base as you've got Ian App who's been able to provide a 386 on base. He's sitting right around about a 285. You've got Christopher Morrell along Contreras, who I mentioned earlier, hitting a 280. And Rafael Ortega, 350 on base. So these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job, but take a look at this Cubs bullpen over the last three days. A 6 ERA, Rowan Wick, Scott Efres, guys that began the year very solid. They have seen a lot of regression. Michael Givens, he has been seeing his ERA balloon up to about a 4. Mike Leiter Jr. has actually been halfway decent in the bullpen. He was a failure of a starter, but take a look at him on the bullpen right around a 450 ERA. For this team, that's not necessarily the world's worst thing in the world. And then for the Boston Red Sox, bullpen has been rated in a little bit more. Ansel Robles did not wind up doing a great job yesterday, but Taylor Danish, who wound up throwing just 10 pitches yesterday, he's got right around a 4-ish ERA at a Casa Sadamona. He's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. He did wind up getting used up yesterday, but Austin Davis, he's going to be fresh, ready to go. Sub-2 ERA out of him. John Schreiber has been able to do a good job. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox quadrant at the top, and it's very good. Sandra Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Jaron Duran, Rafael Devers, all at least a 3-12 for the team as Rafael Devers. He's been able to do a great job of being able to crank out the deep ball. He's got 17 home runs thus far this season. Now the bottom of the fold, Trevor Story, Franchi Cordero, Jack 
rookie, Bradley Jr. These guys have been a little bit rough, though. Franchi Cordero, all of a sudden, has been able to put his batting average upward to right around a 260. So, credit to him for that. But with that said, this is a case in which I think that Alec Mills, in a starter spot, he's going to be a little bit more comfortable. But I still think that it's not necessarily going to be going well for him. And Winkowski started to form himself as a relatively solid MLB pro pitcher. Willing to lay up to a minus 138 here with the Boston Red Sox. And with the total, nine or less looking over 9.5 prior to the under. And that will wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family and podcast. A big thanks to Ben Wilson over here at VEASAN. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like appearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUNET underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, maybe does not matter, size per usual. Please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. Terrible fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Five, that's five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.